You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati, marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniyya al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Okay, welcome to the program. This is China Africa Talk. I'm your host Bridget Mutambira coming to you from the Chinese capital in Beijing. Hope you can hear us loud and clear from wherever you are tuned in in Africa or on your favorite podcast. In today's discussion, we look at BRICS and development on the African continent. Now, South Africa hosted the BRICS summit in Johannesburg this week. South Africa is this year's rotating chair of the group under the theme BRICS and Africa. Partnership for Mutually Accelerated Growth, Sustainable Development and Inclusive Multilateralism. Chinese President Xi Jinping joined leaders from other countries to discuss issues including BRICS expansion, de-dollarization of trade and moving forward a multipolar world. President Xi also paid a state visit to South Africa at the invitation of President Cyril Ramaphosa. He published a signed article in South African media calling for closer friendship between the two countries as they mark 25 years of diplomatic ties. Now, President Xi also highlighted BRICS as a key cooperation platform for emerging economies. For discussions on BRICS and development on the African continent, I'm joined by Charles Onanaiju, director of the Center for China Studies in Nigeria, Chu Chiang, research fellow of Beijing Foreign Studies University, and David Munyai, associate professor of political science and international relations and director for the Center for Africa-China Studies at the University of Johannesburg. Gentlemen, glad to have you on China Africa Talk. Perhaps we'll begin with Professor Munyai. Professor Munyai, South Africa is host this year to the BRICS. Perhaps how best can South Africa use this opportunity to raise Africa's voice in terms of what Africa has achieved through BRICS for further development? I think for South Africa, uh, this is a golden opportunity as well articulated by President Xi Jinping in describing the relationship between China and South Africa that it has reached what he called the golden era and right. indeed if you look at this um it has to do with uh, trade figures are shooting up mm-hmm. and we have seen expanded trade in a number of sectors mm-hmm. the relationship is becoming more comprehensive people to people we are also seeing an african dimension to this in having china playing a leading role in its um, china africa relation which is in line with South Africa's own foreign policy. Right. And as BRICS as well, uh within BRICS South Africa and China share a number of platforms, mm-hmm. uh not just this visit in terms of bilateral as well as the multilateral part. The two leaders are going to meet uh in 20 days again in G20 meeting right. uh in India. So yes, I would say this is a very good relationship. Hmm. Uh, over to you Professor Chu Xiang. Both China and South Africa are BRICS members and the two countries are marking 25 years of diplomatic ties this year. What do you make of the role of bilateral relations and its significance in South to South cooperation? Well, I think China and South Africa are two vital role in this cooperation relationship between China and Africa right. and also between the cooperation of BRICS country and Africa. Mm-hmm. 
because this is actually everything when it started. Well, when President Xi Jinping went to、uh, South Africa in 2013, and I was honored to be one person in the delegation and、uh, join in one of the parallel meeting.、Mm-hmm. And at that time, the topic basically is talking about. Uh, China African Development Forum and Alleviation Project together.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, when I went to、uh, South Africa, we see South Africa as one of the leader, very important country and economic hub in the African continent.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, China is、uh, one of the most important partner, positive partner outside of this continent. So when these two friends are shaking hands, and the, a lot of things happened. So when he came to South Africa in 2018, and this year,、mm-hmm. every time we see things are happening and things are changing, improving, this shows that this outside power and this local、uh, partner they're working together are creating positive energy and synergy in this continent.、Mm-hmm. So I think. On one hand, China and South Africa are good partner themselves, and also this partnership spilled over to generated many good things in a larger extent. Professor Onanaiju,、okay. Nigeria has expressed interest in in the BRICS. How do you how do people in Nigeria view the cooperation between China, Nigeria, and Africa at large? Thank you, Bridget.、Um, I think、uh, the, the Nigeria has a clear understanding that、uh, China. Nigerian cooperation generates tangible outcomes in terms of filling in the gaps of、mm-hmm. our national aggregate. So it's essentially pragmatic, you know, driven by understanding that、uh, this cooperation brings tangible to the table. And、uh, I think that is also the case with the rest of Africa. Of、mm-hmm. course, you know, the ideals, the ideals, their history, of course,、uh, mm-hmm. common coming from the same background of. After years of colonial domination, but then there is the overriding concern and core concerns about mutual respect for each other.、Okay. Um, with Chinese, you could sit down on the table as equal. You don't get lectures, you don't get dictations, you don't get,、uh, and then you can work out practical ways of solving problems.、Mm-hmm. There's a common saying in Nigeria here: so if you want to talk, if you want to grandstand,、mm-hmm. you go to Brussels. To go to Washington. If you want to get things done, you go to Beijing. So this is an expression of an underlying understanding that、mm-hmm. this cooperation has tangible returns in terms of filling in the gaps of our existential needs,、mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're talking about basic fundamentals in driving sustainable and inclusive economic growth, infrastructure construction, you know, manufacturing. Of course, in Nigeria now you have. More than 200 Chinese companies operating in several areas, creating employment for young people. You know, we've just had、uh, we've just had、uh, the first、uh, deep sea port constructed under in a record time of three years under the framework of the Belton Road, turning Nigeria into a maritime hub.、Mm-hmm. You know, so these are very critical, tangible that can be felt, that can be touched, people can measure. So this is what distinguishes Nigeria and China cooperation. Of course, it's not like、uh, Nigeria cooperation with other countries are not important, but it is very clear from the fact of our existential need. The、mm-hmm. tangible need we have to boost our national aggregate, and、uh, I think this is the similar story in all other African countries. So this relation, I can say, is pragmatic and、uh, is problem solving,、uh, is solution providing. That is what 
draws a line with others. Okay, still on uh, some of these significant outcomes. Over to you, Professor Chu Chiang. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa have become a strong engine for South-to-South cooperation. What have been some of the most significant outcomes of this emergence of BRICS in shifting the balance of power in global affairs? Well, it's a very, very important sign and a positive improvement in international order. Okay. If you remember 60 years ago, we only have two major forces in the whole world, and they're leading this whole world, not making positive improvements, but right. rather than lit people up, right. creating conflicts, which is the, the Iron Curtain period of how I think everybody will understand and remember that. Mm-hmm. And after the 1990s, um, well, the situation get a bit improved, but still it's getting more complicated because we have only one polar left, mm-hmm. left which is the NATO force, the, the West force. Mm-hmm. And even though I think the emerging countries are trying to create a uh, non-alliance movement, because I, I always said in the whole world, that is not everyone wants to choose side. They just want to do, you know, stay independent, stay mm-hmm. free and fight for their own benefit and creating a better life for their own people. Right. Just stay away from the troubles. You see, this is actually a normal thinking by most of the country. But at that time, we don't have the luxury to do that because all the developing nations are still not growing up are still you know mm. vulnerable mm. but now at current stage we find out emerging markets are actually sh- are forming a shape they're okay. actually become important force in the international arena BRICS country and the BRICS plus this is a block of BRICS is one of the most important sign of it it shows the emerging countries they have more than 60% of the world population, more than 60% of the world GDP. And most of the country has already grown into middle income country mm. and many of them become industrialized. So right now they are capable to form the third force in this whole world. Mm. Like I said, stay away from the troubles, mm. uh, try to strive for their own people's livelihood mm-hmm. and then become one of the peaceful development force and uh, you know create a safe haven for people who want just to do trade and businesses and development. And now I think this is the meaning of what we see these five countries plus another potential partners creating a p- balanced power of the global affairs. Mm. Okay, still on relevance of this and the important outcomes. How about the relevance of the BRICS uh, new development bank in the post-COVID era as Africa is um, perhaps still facing the impacts of the pandemic, Professor Monyai in South Africa? Indeed, um, the new development bank um, has been playing a very important uh, role in mm-hmm. Southern Africa okay. and Africa as a whole. And what it does is that I think for the very first time, uh, in the post-1945, post-independence in the 60s uh, uh, in Africa, that African countries are now having alternative funding sources. Okay. Um, my brother Charles mentioned in terms of the role of China in building Nigeria's infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I think the New Development Bank, when it comes to Africa's agenda 2063 and the need for connectivity on the African continent, mm-hmm more and more resources are being made available Mm -hmm. um, at relatively much better terms uh, compared to some other multilateral banks. And what it does is that it gives that room freedom 
um, of African states to really pick and choose their own projects, mega projects. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, it has been announced that the New Development Bank will be funding the dam in Lesotho, for instance, that supplies water to, to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a major uh, project, project that mm-hmm. will create more jobs and uh, good news for, for the region. Mm. Okay, still on, you know, the projects, the investments that have been um, put in place, Professor Onanaiju, the BRICS countries constitute Africa's largest trading partners and new investors, and BRICS has nourished Africa's economic emergence and elevated the continent's contemporary global positioning. Besides this, what are other potential areas in Africa that BRICS Africa Corporation can look into further uh, Africa's development? And what does Africa need to do to aggressively drive investment into these potential areas? I think, um, first and foremost, like you know, Africa has inaugurated the largest and the, the world largest free trade area. Okay, and you know, yes, yes. a market will only be a space if, it, if there is no trading, no goods, no services engaging in it. So African free trade area is an important um, development mm-hmm. for which Africans have uh, come together to enjoy the economy of scale. Because the main point in economy of scale is the largeness of your market. But like I said, if you have market and there is no real activity, especially trading goods, then it is just an open space, no matter how big it is. Right. So for African market to truly be significant, it must have uh, investment. And I think the objective framework provides the BRIC countries mm-hmm. with um, a rational consideration of the investment destination. Because investment, of course, goes where it could make returns and uh, profitable returns. And of course, the market size is a very formidable incentive. So mm-hmm. I believe that the BRICS countries and Africa enjoys complementarity in terms of market optimization of value. So I believe that Africa also has that very consequential effect in building her market that now it has obvious attraction. Mm-hmm. It has obvious attraction to investors, you know, and uh, this is very important for both Africa and BRICS. Of course, like you know, the BRICS countries now potentially contributes larger than even the G7 advanced capitalist countries in the West in terms of global economic activities. Mm -hmm. Pools about 31% currently as against 30% of the G7. So for Africa, this is very, very important. It's going to provide a tangible meaning to its free trade area. And all Africa needs to do to optimize the investment attraction of Mm -hmm. its market is to create the institutional framework solidify the institutional framework, mm-hmm. harmonize its custom union, and do other things that are necessary to enjoy the real advantage of economy of scale, which mm-hmm. the African common free trade area provides. And of course, for the BRIC countries, China, Russia, uh, India, to make the necessary returns to their investment, I don't think there is any other market that has that function in terms of size, mm-hmm. in terms of availability of key elements than the free trade area. So this complementarity naturally should engage the two sides mm. to cooperate more. Today, BRICS is becoming a critical enabler of the balance of forces. BRICS has become a critical enabler of an inclusive governance, a participatory governance, built on equity, built on respect for sovereignty, built on those traditional values that have endowed the state system in contemporary international affairs. So in my view, the future is the BRICS. Let me state very clearly, I do not think the BRICS is 
an antagonistic force to okay. the West. No, I think it is only a framework to engage the West, the framework to engage in an inclusive global governance process mm -hmm. that is mutually beneficial to all. I do not think it is a pool designed to antagonize the existing world order, to broaden it, to make it more inclusive, to make it more participatory, and generate much more benefits to all. That, for me, is a significant bridge. And there's no other time, there is no framework that offers, an Af that offers Africa a framework of inclusion, a framework of participatory governance, than such a framework that is democratic and open and transparent as the BRICS process. Um, over to Professor Munyai. According to the government of South Africa, more than 40 countries have expressed interest in joining this block of developing nations. Moving forward, perhaps what kind of governance and accountability mechanisms will be required to entrench BRICS governance cooperation with the continent? I think what is needed, and we're expecting heads of states mm -hmm. uh, to have a breakaway, at, right. I think they will be occupied with flushing out precisely the criteria that they're going to use for admission. Mm -hmm. Who comes in and where from, mm -hmm. uh, which continent and why? So these questions are important. Mm -hmm. uh, all these countries that are willing to join, it's a question of like, I mean, we in Africa uh, have uh, respect as in China mm -hmm. uh, for visitors. When a visitor comes in, uh, even if you don't know the purpose of the visit, mm -hmm. you welcome, you cater for them, you mm -hmm. put them in the lobby. Um, I think that's what is happening. They will mm -hmm. be, uh, they will be feeling the warmth. And um, um, please have uh, um, um, at the reception have uh, <laughs> drinks while they're flushing out precisely uh, who comes in first. For mm -hmm. instance, in Africa we have Nigeria, mm -hmm. the largest economy. Even though South Africa is the uh, biggest industrialized part, but mm -hmm. the biggest economy is Nigeria, or the largest population. Yeah. We have Egypt, mm -hmm. um, dynamic economy with links in the Middle East and so many other places. We have Ethiopia, fast-growing country, more than 100 million people, and Algeria. And we've had a bit of Morocco. Of the four or five countries from Africa, who should come in first? Mm. Uh, it won't be a big bank. Everyone come in at once. You avoid stampede, you avoid a number of things. So I think my own prediction will be a gradual approach. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps one country from each region, more likely, uh, more likely in my view, mm -hmm. uh, Egypt, um, the, for the sheer uh, reason that um, Egypt indicated its willingness to join much earlier than Nigeria. And also Egypt is a member of the New Development Bank. And so those are some of the things that will be considered. In the Among Gulf states, you have Saudi Arabia and you have Iran. Mm -hmm. um, you also have Turkey. Turkey is a member uh, of NATO and so there are dynamics there. So perhaps Saudi Arabia or e e UAE mm -hmm. might be considered. Uh, in Latin America, uh, it's 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 Argentina and Argentina right. with all its domestic challenges, it might also be considered. And yeah, in in Asia, I think we have two giants: um, China um, and 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 India. Mm -hmm. However, some countries such as Malaysia and Indonesia could also be considered. So, mm -hmm. unlike the original BRICS that was born out of Wall Street, mm -hmm. where we only look at trade figures, how big your economy is. Right. Today's 
is different. Mm. This is a people-centered BRICS, a BRIC that is democratic, mm -hmm. and it looks at issues from uh, the global south. I think leaders are mindful that BRICS cannot be an elite club within the global south mm. to avoid the very same contradictions and blame that we place on the global north. We can't say they are hegemonic, they're unfair. While we're replicating, we are bringing the very same dynamics among ourselves. Brits right. um, should speak on behalf of all, and therefore it must include all. Okay. Just as well, you mentioned something about BRICS should speak for all and it should represent all. Um, Professor Nanaiju, how about when it comes to gender gaps and inequalities? Have there been any strategies that address gender development disparities and inequalities in BRICS and Africa? Yes, um, thank you. Uh, I like to take it from where my brother David suggested, said that, of course, the BRICS cannot be an elite um, Globe of the South. It mm -hmm. mustn't replicate the very concept that we have been saying is not right. You know, and of course, uh, at the 14th summit of BRICS, uh, which was presented presided by President Xi, he also made clear that this is not a small exclusive club, mm -hmm. but it's going to be a very big family in which uh, problems are solved together, cooperation is expanded, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I take this quite very serious. And uh, my brother, Professor David, has also underlined it, that the idea or the concept should never be tailored or was never intended to be driven along the path of an exclusive club, uh, an mm. elite club. Mm -hmm. And the extent of inclusion, gender is a very important component of contemporary inclusion. Even though the way gender has been spoken these days is uh, a lot more political of it uh, than the substance of mm -hmm. the gender, because mm -hmm. uh, uh, providing equal opportunities, mm -hmm. appreciating the underlying weakness of some certain person and providing opportunity for them to rise doesn't have to be outlined in, uh, in uh, this are this are trend, this are trend of the time. Mm -hmm. If you want to develop, if you want to gain the full benefit of the people's energy, if you want to draw on the strength of their capacities and resources, it is only natural that you provide a framework in which all can freely develop, including women, including children, including uh, the, the, the physically challenged. So this is a normal, despite the politics of it, despite mm -hmm. the so much uh, agitation for it, it is, a, for me, a basic understanding that if you want to take, you want to get the optimal benefit of inclusion, you only have to provide for this. You have to internalize it in your process. And I don't think BRICS will be unaware of such important component mm. of generating an inclusive framework that enables every person, that enables every group, that enables every country to make input. Like uh, my brother, Professor David, had just said, mm -hmm. inclusion brings... It, it, it generates more energy. Right. You know, he's spoken about countries indicating interest to join the BRICS. Of course, like you know, my country, Nigeria, has also indicated interest sure. because it's not just a fancy club. Right. It's not a, uh, it's not a fancy club. People just come to identify and want to be BRICS. I think people are very clear that this represents the future. It represents an opportunity to contribute and an opportunity to participate. Mm -hmm. When the previous global financial architecture was drawn, most countries were still under colonial. Domination. They had no input. They had no imprint in the structure 
of the then emerging international financial architecture. Mm-hmm. So beyond the concrete benefit, beyond the tangible benefit, there is the, the psychological angle of it, of being part of a process, of having driven the process, of having grown it, unlike some of the post-World War mechanism in which most countries in Africa have no imprint. They have no participation. They were just brought into it. And that is why places like the World Bank, places the IMF, you see their shareholding, their share is quite limited. Mm. Their voice is quite limited. Up to today, the head of the IMF, the head of the World Bank is alternated between Europe and America as if it is their exclusive right. That shouldn't be the case with BRICS. That shouldn't be the case hmm. with other post, other emerging international organizations. So we believe that this offers an opportunity for inclusion. Inclusion in the generic sense, including gender, including every category of understanding our differences. Of course, our differences are strength. Hmm. The strength of any society is different. I've always made a case that you can never appreciate the beauty of a garden if not for the differences of the flowers if all the flowers are the same of course you wouldn't have that appeal of beauty than when the garden is made up of different colors it is the different colors of the garden that makes it beautiful and i believe that is also implicit in human nature the more difference we are the more we understand our differences the more it generates consequential development for all of us i believe that gender sensitivity gender inclusion should naturally be a norm, and uh, that is the only way to go for any international organization, especially for a forward-looking one like BRICS, to make advances. Okay, right. Just to wind off, Professor Chu Xiang, I'd like to know from you, what are other potential areas in Africa that BRICS-Africa cooperation can look into to further Africa's development, and what does Africa need to do aggressively to drive investment into these potential areas from your standpoint? What would you say? Africa is a continent, mm-hmm. not a country. Mm-hmm. So we have more than 50 partners in there. So right. everybody will have diversified demand mm-hmm. and in the future. Some countries are still need infrastructures, uh, agriculture, uh, training and technology. But some other countries, they have already evolved into middle-income countries. Mm-hmm. They probably are aiming at higher level of infrastructure, digital platform, right. uh, green equipment, electronics, uh, high-speed rail, and something like that. So I think um, it's not been limited in certain area. I mean, they need a whole diversified, but also holistic view on a development package. Mm. So I think that is uh, the reason why we need BRICS cooperation as a whole. Mm. Okay. All right. Professor Onanaiju, Professor Chu Chiang, and Professor Munyai, thank you so much for sharing your insights on the developments of the BRICS and the African continent. It is always great. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. Listeners, we value your feedback. For any comments on this episode, drop us an email on audionewsroom at cgtn.com. Until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post it on social media or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.